Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and happy week 13. Saw the Cowboys and Saints give us a, you know, pretty gross Thursday night game, but that's in the past. We are now focusing on Sunday, Monday night football, trying to get those fantasy lineups right before the fantasy playoffs come up in a mere matter of weeks. As always, I'm joined by PFF's own Dwayne McFarland and Andrew Erickson. Guys, how are you? Dwayne, you can say something first so we don't overlap like a bunch of fools. I am excellent. I am excellent and happy to not be overlapping. It's hard. You can't overlap when you have Andrew. Andrew always has his own original thoughts. There's no overlap. What are you talking about? Andrew, thoughts? Uh, well, I was about to just tell everyone about how the top of my mouth hurts because I eat. I don't wait long enough for food to cool down, and I'm pretty sure like I was like bleeding at the top of my mouth. So that, that's how I'm doing on my Friday. I could just not wait to like dive into this like bomb ass flatbread that I made last night. It was just like, but apparently it was too hot for my entire body. It's not the direction I expected to go, but that's uh, Andrew Erickson for you, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. As always, on a dish. On this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, we're going to be going through each and every fantasy-relevant injury ahead of Sunday, just trying to let you know which guys are actually questionable and which guys you don't really need to worry about. So without further ado, let's get after it. Starting off at quarterback, Daniel Jones is out with a neck injury, which unironically will mean Mike Glennon is in at quarterback. Not considered a season-ending injury at the moment, but he could end up missing weeks. Andrew, going from Jones to Glennon, does that mean anything for, for you? Or are we still looking at this offense as Saquon Barkley and after that, good luck? Yeah, I, I took some time today to really dive into all the Mike Glennon splits to kind of figure out, okay, like, is this an advantage in any way, shape, or form for anyone like you had mentioned? So I think it actually does give a boost to Barkley in the receiving game. You know, I rewatched that game that the Giants played, and they're just running Daniel Jones so much, like on design runs and you know, he doesn't you know you see Barkley kind of run, you know, a little out route and you're like, all right, like here's a target coming his way. And it's not because it's Daniel Jones running play. So I think that Barkley, you know, he's running a ton of routes. I think we could see him, you know, flirt with six or seven receptions in this game, especially because all of the Giants wide receivers are basically banged up. Again, if Sterling Shepard misses, I know Kadarius Tony's already ruled out. I think that Shepard is doubtful as we'll get into. I think Kenny Galladay is kind of interesting a little bit more with Mike Glenn under center. We saw last year, Mike Glennon kind of, Again, he threw the ball deep to Colin Johnson. Like, And if you look at the average depth of target of him last year, 8.8, we saw a top 15 in the league last year. Daniel Jones ranks 32nd in average depth of target this season. Like, He's just checking the ball down constantly. He's not being aggressive, throwing the ball downfield. So I do think that if Kenny Galladay were ever to turn things around, I know that people are you know, scavenging the waiver wire for wide receivers. i got a lot of T.Y. Hilton questions this week. It's like, you know, if Galladay's out there, you need to plug in somebody. I think that he is in a better spot, honestly, with Mike Glennon than he is with Daniel Jones. I think the other big takeaway is if you have defenses in your league, if you're into that kind of thing, go get Miami. They blitz more than just about anyone. That's going to be problematic against the giraffe known as Mike Glennon. I would just real yeah. quick, Ian, on um, on the Barkley thing. Yeah. I would normally say that, yes, that this would be a really good thing. The only problem is Miami runs man coverage almost half the time, more than any other team in the NFL. And wide receivers targets per route run, like over the last three years versus man versus zone, you know, there's a really big difference. So against um, zone coverage, wide, you know, not wide receiver, running back, running back targets versus zone over the last three years, yard, you know, targets per route run 22%, 20%, 21% versus man coverage drops down to 15, 14, and 14. So just something to think about with Barkley. Not as many targets when you're playing heavy man teams. 
Good point always, Mr. McFarlane. We also got Kyler Murray listed as questionable with that ankle injury. He is officially a game-time call per Cliff Kingsbury. Now, the thing with it, we had Rap Sheet report yesterday that Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, who is still dealing with that hamstring injury, were expected to play this week barring a setback. So nothing about this Friday practice uh, you know, indication seems to think, seems to state that they suffered a setback of any kind. At the same time, they are once again listed as questionable. Kingsbury did make the point that they purposely been more cautious with both guys based on their obviously awesome win-loss record. Dwayne, I feel like they're going to suit up there. Are you with me? Like, as things stand right now, I'm expecting Kyler and Hopkins to play. But luckily, it's at 1 o'clock, so even if I'm wrong, it's not the end of the world. I was just going to preface it with that, that just like no matter what we think, at least we'll get to we'll get yeah. to hear early and we can adapt. <laughs> we can adjust our lineups. It's not the the dread the dreaded typical you know Arizona late game. So um, I, I tend to agree with you, Ian. I have not budged off of these guys like I have in previous weeks. Um, I've got Hopkins right at you know almost a wide receiver one. It's a tough wide receiver week. Plenty of running back options, which I know we'll talk about in a minute, but wide receivers are tougher this week. So are quarterbacks. So I, I haven't budged, and I've still got Kyler in my top three. Um, if he does play, here's the one thing I'll say. Um, we know they're being so cautious when they both do finally suit up and due to their record and all the things, you know, uh, they don't have to play them. Like, I'm just going to have confidence in them. Whereas a couple weeks ago, I know, Andrew, you were like this too. It was like, man, and even if they play, it's like, I don't know that I want to trust Kyler Murray. I'm at the point now where I'm assuming when he plays, he's ready because they've waited. Yeah, and again, what Kingsbury was talking about, like being cautious with them with the way their win-loss record is at the moment, I would think once they are good enough to go out there, 100%, let's get back to treating them as the ballers that they are. Another dual-threat quarterback that is questionable, Jalen Hurst with that ankle injury. We did have Nick Sirianni say that it was unknown if he's going to play. Thanks a lot, Nick. Always super helpful with uh, the injury updates there. Andrew, it's a smash spot against the Jets, but as we know, so much of Jalen Hurts' fantasy value does come from his ability to run the ball. If he is active, are you still going the well with Jalen Hurts as a locked-in QB1? Or is this something where, you know, if you have guys like a Russell Wilson, like a Derek Carr, maybe even a Carson Wentz, that you're trying to put them ahead of everyone's favorite fantasy football QB1? See, I don't know if I am. I think I'm still going to roll out Jalen Hurts. Again, I, I didn't really see him. I don't know when he, like, banged up his ankle uh, last week. I mean, he looked like he, I mean, he rushed for 77 yards. So it's not like it was, if it had happened mid game, it was really hard to notice. So I still think that the matchup is just too good. Like he's playing like arguably the worst defense in the NFL and the New York jets, especially against the run. So, you know, you have question marks about the availability of some of the running backs as we'll get into. And who's to say that Jalen hurts. All right. Well, if I can't run, Oh, okay. Then I'll just, I mean, Jason Hurts can dice up this defense through the air. Like, this sure. defense is not good. So, I still think that Hurts, again, obviously coming off the bad week, it's kind of like all, like, kind of capsulating, all right, you know, maybe I should bench Jalen Hurts this week. But I don't know. I mean, he's been so consistent. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about it. Yeah, it's a good point with those pass catchers, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. We know those are the guys getting the targets unless they decide to, you know, go make us all suffer through the Jalen Rager experience again. But every week I have my Mismatch Manifesto article looking at some of the top mismatches in various uh, parts of the game. And in terms of explosive pass plays, Eagles right up there with the Vikings, with the Raiders, and with the Buccaneers as truly the best matchups of the week trying to get that ball down the field. 
couple quick other quarterback notes. We got Justin Fields out with the ribs injury. They're calling him doubtful, but they've already announced Andy Dalton as the starter. And we also got Zach Wilson good to go, practicing full all week despite having the banged up knee. For the love of God, don't start Andy Dalton and Zach Wilson if you can help it in fantasy land. That's the type of hard-hitting analysis that you guys listen to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast for. Final note before we move on to running back. We got Taysom Hill now dealing with an injury. They're calling mallet finger. It's the same injury that Russell Wilson had to miss time with this year. It could require surgery, but it sounded like he's going to be trying to play through it. Like the fact that Aikman and Buck like just seemed to not even really talk about the splint at all last night like was very confusing to me. Like this thing, you're trying to throw a football with an injury to the middle fin- middle finger on throwing hand. Like guys. I've thrown one competitive football pass in my life. It got picked off. I am not a quarterback whisperer, but that does not seem ideal to me. Dwayne, like if Taysom Hill is playing with a freaking splint on his middle finger and his right hand, I don't know that we can keep treating him as a top 12 quarterback. I'm really happy he got there last last night, but like this is problematic. Yeah, I, I don't think we can treat him that way. And he looked terrible. Like he didn't Awful. look good before the injury. Like, you know, he still came through, but, and it was his first game back and the saints don't really have a lot of weapons. You got the tackles gone. So there was still a, you know, there was a chance for, Hey, you get healthier, you know, around him. He's fine kind of thing. But yeah, if his finger is messed up like this, then I, I won't have Taysom in the top 12 any week that we're dealing with this. And now we got Deontay Harris, Andrew's favorite player in the NFL. (laughs) He's probably going to be facing his three-game suspension now. So the one guy you did have that could really create after the catch could also now be out of the picture. So, hey, we we got that Taysom Hill Week 13 game. No one can ever take that QB1 performance away from us. Just be cautious and expecting that to continue if he's going to have to be an even worse version of himself as a passer. Moving on to running back, we got Miles Sanders. He was dealing with an ankle injury early in the week, was practicing in full as early as Thursday. He is not carrying an injury designation going into Sunday. Jordan Howard has been ruled out with a knee injury, and Boston Scott is questionable with an illness that has kept him off the practice field for for pretty much all week. Andrew, with Miles Sanders, he's burnt all of us this year at some point or another. 108 scoreless touches. Is this the week it finally comes together for him? We got it banged up Hurts. We got the backfield dwindling. Come on, man. This has to be it, right? And we just saw uh, our guy, Ari, at my sports update, you know, PFF Zone. He sent out this tweet, which is crazy, how the Eagles lead the NFL in rushing yards this year at 158 yards per game. But not a single player on their team actually has a 100-yard rushing game this year. Andrew, I want you to predict it, man. 100 yards and a touchdown for Miles Sanders this week. Are you going off on that limb, Andrew? I don't know if he can do both. Like, it seems like it's really one or the other with Miles Sanders. Like, he just doesn't ever get any of the red zone touches. Like, it's always been all the other guys that have scored all the rushing touchdowns for the Eagles. So, yeah, if I have to bet on him going over 100 yards, I think that that's probably a good bet here. Again, he was at, you know, over 60 rushing yards last week in a good matchup. It's another good matchup against the Jets, as we talked about earlier. So, yeah, I think you're starting him. I think that he's an interesting guy to go back to in DFS because he was really chalky last week. And people, as we're going to get into, there's a ton of great running back plays this week. So if Miles Sanders is kind of forgotten about, it's like, oh, when we look back in the slate, oh, Miles Sanders went off against the Jets. Like, no one's going to be surprised. So those are the things I tried to look for when you're looking at, you know, low projected players. You know, no one's going to be surprised if he does have a massive game, kind of like you alluded to. So I think Miles Sanders is a locked and loaded solid play this week. Dwayne? Yeah, the matchup's too good to pass up. But, like, if if 
you know, on one side, you could say if Jalen Hurst doesn't play right, there's more carries for the backs. But at the same time, the Eagles could just even things out, not run quite as much. You know, Jalen Hurts accounts for 23 percent of their design rushing attempts. But the Eagles, like over the last four or five weeks, I think it was Lord, you know, Reeves that put it out. You know, they have more RPO runs than any other team in football. So it does make you wonder, like, how effective will will the Eagles, you know, rushing game also continue to be as good? if Jalen Hurts isn't in the offense, because that's a problem whenever you're having to think about Hurts and you're having to account for him and the running back through all the RPO action. So it's a something else to think about. So I'm not giving these guys a big upgrade, but Sanders has crept up into my top 20 at this point. I got four names for you, Dwayne, to compare against Sanders. If you need to get your pencil and be inefficient about it, feel free. But would you start Sanders over Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Josh Jacobs, Miles Gaskin, Devontae Freeman? I would start him over all of those except for Miles Gaskin. Okay. I, so I have him. I, I just moved him ahead earlier, uh, ahead of Jacobs and ahead of Edwards Alaire. I have Gaskin at 15, and I've yeah. got um, Sanders at uh, 20. I think that sounds about right. Andrew, you in agreement? Uh, I'm a little bit lower on Sanders. You have him at 22 just because he doesn't. He's just a zero in the passing game. Like they just don't ever use him there. And then even Kenneth Gainwell, like he'll see some snaps as as the pass catcher. Um, even with if Boston Scott, you know, is limited or something. So that's the only reason I'm at 22. One of those running backs I just mentioned is popping up here. And th- this is just weird, everyone. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has a stomach flu. Andy Reid said he should be fine. But what the hell? Like, our simulation, like, messed up here. Because last year, on December 4th in Week 13, heading into a Sunday night football game against the Broncos – Claude Edwards-Alaire also didn't practice on Friday. He was, again, said to be fine, just sick, whatever. He ends up being active on Sunday night. Yeah, glitz. (laughs) That was the word I was looking for. Thank you. Ends up only being active for emergency-only purposes. So, you know, these are two completely different things. Maybe it's just, you know, back-to-back years, eating the Thanksgiving Day leftovers a little bit longer than he should have. But, man, (laughs) Dwayne, I don't feel great about this. Like, this is – you know, we talk about this with certain teams where – We have some teams that will put players out there on pitch count, snap counts, whatever you want to call them. Other teams only do it if they're 100%. Like, I would really hope that we get some better assurance on Clyde before Sunday night because we know, at least we've seen it once, that the Chiefs are willing to fire him up, but only for emergency purposes. Right. And we did see just a couple weeks ago, Lamar Jackson had a kind of just illness, a thing that we normally don't think is going to hold a player out of, you know, a game. Normally we just think, well, they'll get an IV or whatever. Right. And they'll get another one at halftime and they'll play. So, yeah, you just kind of have to, you know, I would like some assurances as well. I mean, you know, right now I've got him inside my top 24, but you definitely need a pivot play, you know, so you need like a, a Jerry Judy. Obviously if you had Javonta Williams, you're already playing him over him. Um, I mean, I guess maybe like a Cortland Sutton, something like that from that game that you would have to have available just to make yourself feel better. And it's not like, you know, he's an easy player to go ahead and bench, in my opinion, you know, Ian, if you have any other viable options that play in the early slate, just because Clyde hasn't done much, man. Like he's not been like, you know, this must start player. Basically, I look at him as a low end flex option, you know, every week on, on any of the teams where I do have him on my roster. I'm not excited about it. I'm always evaluating, should I play Clyde Edwards-Alaire or not? He's never just, oh, set it and forget it. So I think if you're in a situation like that and you do have another option, just consider it a little bit harder than you would normally. And remember, we do have Patriots bills on Monday night where you can get, you know, your Thorns, Myers, maybe Sanders, Beasley, you know, single. You can go get Brandon Bolden in, you know. <laughs> Matt Breida. 
Really Brady, feel good about Brady's pretty much rostered in everything I'm in now. But <laughs> Dalvin Cook will be out this week with a shoulder injury. Sure seems like it will be another one. Get Alexander Madison in your lineups, even if there's a fire. Like, I don't even know if you people this week could give me the lineup in, you know, in your four-team league where somehow uh, Cook isn't going to be in there. Maybe there are some uh, guillotine leagues out there. Dwayne, we got a question on a yeah, guillotine a league question last on night. our uh, Twitter space. So, you know, barring guillotine formats, I do think Madison <laughs> can be safely locked and loaded into each and every lineup. And the same goes for Sony Michelle. If Daryl Henderson ends up being ruled out, he didn't practice all week with the thigh injury officially listed as questionable. This one is a little bit more tricky with the Jaguars and Rams not kicking off until 4.05. So please, Schefter, rap sheet, whoever, give us a little bit of words on Henderson before Sunday morning. We'll relay some more information about that when we are aware of it. But yeah, basically, Henderson, if he's out, Sony is going to take his spot as an RB1. If Henderson's in, unless we get the dreaded pitch count report we can continue to fire him up as a top 12 running back himself we also have another starting running back out his name is deandre swift out at least this week with the shoulder injury Dwayne, on our waiver wire show man we, we were kind of ahead on this where we brought up the point where this lions team if people haven't noticed pretty terrible they don't have anything to play for why are they going to trot out deandre swift if he's not going to be at 100 percent we're starting to hear reports that he might not be how high of a ceiling do you think Jamal Williams has in this offense moving forward if he is going to be featured as the lead RB1? Yeah, I think the best way for us to talk about Jamal Williams is probably floor rather than ceiling. It's <laughs> just with it being, you know, the Lions. Um, but no, I think he's going to be the every down back. I think Jamar Jefferson is the other guy to roster if you're in a super deep format. And just in case something happened to Williams, I do believe he would be the next player up. But it's just a volume thing, Ian. And, and the beauty of whenever you are trailing all the time, for running backs, number one, defenses, you know, they get softer coverage against you, okay? And so they start taking away the receivers. You're playing from behind, so you know you need to pass. And what do those turn into? They turn into targets to your backs. And so that's where Javonta Williams is really going to rack up his fantasy points, really in the same way that we saw DeAndre Swift. You're not going to see the explosive 50, 60, 70-yard plays that we were getting from Swift. But I think, you know, Javonta is a very consistent, you know, uh, not Javante. Why am I saying Javante? Uh, Jamal Williams is a very Jam- Javante Williams is the opposite. Now we're talking about explosive. Jamal Williams is just going to he's going to give you, you know, an every down presence, going to give you the receptions out of the backfield. You know, you're probably going to get 40, 50 yards rushing at tops, but it could poke one in if they happen to get down there. And if not, you're going to look for seven to eight targets every game. And so puts him as a mid range RB2 for me. If he was on a better offense, he would basically be. James Conner, right? Yeah. With, you know, whenever we've got Chase Edmonds out, that's that's essentially the comp. Different player, but kind of like how we were treating Mark Ingram before Ty Montgomery had to be yes. sick and come, yeah. uh, come complicate everything. <laughs> Josh Jacobs is looking like he is questionable. He was starting off the week, not even on the injury report, but he was downgraded to limited on Thursday with an ankle issue. And then the Raiders went ahead and said that uh, Jacobs and Deshaun Jackson are going to be questionable. So with Jacobs, you know, we saw his usage really increase um, last week on Thanksgiving and it was going hand in hand with the pregame report. I think he warrants like borderline upside RB2 treatment if he's going to be healthy and active. We just aren't super aware of that. So, Andrew, you know, I feel for your Kenyon Drake props here, but it seems like there's a chance that Jacobs is not going to be at 100% this week. You know, is this a situation where if he's active, we're firing him up? Like, I I thought we don't know enough about this injury to really downgrade Jacobs until we get some more information. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you have 
a couple other running backs on your roster, there is a luxury of you could probably sit Jacobs because we talked about there are a lot of really good running back plays this week. So if you just rather not play the guy that has an injury designation, I think that's totally fine. And yet we like the matchup because we're seeing Jacobs more involved in the passing game, but like on the ground, it's really not, you know, a great matchup against the football team defense. The Raiders have had their most success when they've thrown the football. The football team is bad against, you know, through the air. Like that's how you attack them. So it's not really like, I mean, of, of all the running backs we're going to talk about, like Jacobs is probably like set up the worst, um, just like from a matchup standpoint. Now you throw the injury and it's like, eh, like, I guess I have to play. I, I probably, I, I have Jamal Williams ranked ahead of Josh Jacobs. So I don't know if that yeah. is like the context. I, I, I do as well. And I think, you know, as, as Dwayne puts it a lot of times, it's probably a good time to just put these guys at the bottom of the tier that you have them in, you know, in favor of the healthier guys that will be ahead of them. And I think James Robinson also falls right into this bucket. He was limited all week with this heel and knee injury, and he is listed as questionable. Now, he's been listed as questionable and played through it in past weeks. I don't think he's necessarily going to miss this game. But last week, he was able to get to a full practice on Friday, and he entered that game without an injury designation. You look at Robinson's usage last week, he only played – 52% 52% of the snaps, and he was still dominating the workload uh, side of things. 17 carries and four targets. Uh, Carlos Hyde not getting too involved. But Dwayne, like, I'm going to move Robinson probably more closer like to Josh Jacobs than the RB1 borderline because, again, clearly these injuries are impacting him, and it's also not exactly the best situation being on the Jaguars on the road against Aaron Donald and company. Yeah, I mean, you're 13-point dogs. You got to apply points of 17 and a half. That's a real whopper. You got a running back strength of schedule zero out of zero, according to our PFF metrics. <laughs> Offensive line run blocking advantage of minus six. And your freaking heels hurt. So it's not a good spot for Robinson. And to boot, we haven't seen him get his passing down roll right when he took it over and we all got excited about it. He got hurt, missed the game. And now Carlos High has been handling all the long gun and distance, two minute offense, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's not doing anything for Hyde, but it's enough to block James Robinson, you know. So I've got him at RB17 this week. Um, you know, I, I probably will end up moving moving him down a little bit more as well. Just kind of depends. There's nobody down below that I'm really going to be jumping up above him. But I'm with you. It's just it's it's he's graded almost more like a mid-range RB2, but the feel of it in a normal week when we didn't have all these buys, um, you got more people healthy. You know, he's really a low-end RB2. James RB2, son, for the time being. Hate to see it. <laughs> Better situation where injuries are working in our favor is Antonio Gibson, who's still limited with the shin, but he will continue to play through that. Unfortunately, J.D. McKissick has been ruled out with a concussion, meaning Gibson should be the lead back, but not so fast, my friend. Ron Rivera said that. None other than Wendell Smallwood would have the McKissick role, quote, to a degree. Dwayne, are we buying or selling Wendell freaking Smallwood being the guy to hold us back? I'm not, I'm not buying it. I do Look, every back has to have someone to relieve them to some extent. I mean, the way I look at it is we know Gibson, look, and, and Smallwood's handled a passing down role for teams before in the past, but he's mad. He's not – McKissick was actually really good, right? right? He's a mismatch against linebackers and safeties. Smallwood's not. Like, he's capable, but he's not like some guy you're just salivating to draw up plays, right, to get him open, whereas Gibson could still be that player. Um, so I think we'll see Gibson, you know, handle more of what McKissick leaves behind than Wendell Smallwood. And Smallwood will probably be the next backup instead of, you know, Jarrett Patterson, you know, who we, who we've talked about a couple times on the show. So I like Gibson. I've got – I've moved him to number five yeah. in my RB ranks for the week. Look, I mean – 
he's probably he's a lock for 20 touches. He's got an upside for 30. I mean, heck, he had 29 touches last week. Really, Nora? Yeah, she just yawned. She doesn't like Antonio. You don't want Antonio Gibson? Okay. All right. Well, so much for Antonio Gibson. Um, so, uh, yeah. What, the way I look at it is 29 carries last week without even having this role because the McKissick injury happened at the end of the game, right? You know, so if you look at, you know, Gibson over the last several weeks, it's really been because the Reds, the Reds Washington football team's been leading. And so that's really what's led to, um, you know, these better game scripts for Gibson. His role hasn't changed, but now this truly will give him that opportunity to be the every down back. So, I mean, I've got him below. I've, my ranks are Jonathan Taylor, Eckler, Fournette, Madison, then Gibson than Mixon. So I've got him right there with those guys. Andrew, are you similarly high, or do you think guys like James Conner, Elijah Mitchell, Cordero Patterson deserve to be going ahead of Gibson in the old fantasy ranks? No, I think that I think Gibson deserves to be ahead of those guys. Sure. You know, we know he has the skill set there. And yeah, I mean Wendell Swalwood, you know, maybe he'll play a little bit, but maybe it's more like a how Giovanni Bernard plays, you know? Like kind of like that type of role where, yeah, okay, like he gets a couple snaps here and there, but I mean, the football team's like surging right now. Like they need to get wins and he's their best player on offense or alongside Terry McLaurin. So I just think it's like, hey, like we have this guy. I think that as Ron Rivera is like giving us a heads up. It's like, hey guys, like if the fan, if Antonio Gibson does score 30 points, like I warned everybody, okay? At least he's a head coach, like trying to at least, you know, be somewhat transparent with us. So we're not tilting our faces off on, you know, at seven o'clock at night being like, why is this <laughs> guy in the game? On- <laughs> why is this guy in the game at 3 p.m.? It's like Riverboat Ron. He told us, like, he gave us the heads up. He's like, guys, just like heads up. This guy's going to play a little bit. But especially because Gibson got all that work last week, like he's getting targeted on first and second down too. Like, it's not even just that he's not, if he's not playing on third downs, it's not necessarily hurting his ability to see work in the passing game. So, and there's not even a, necessarily a scenario where the football team is like trailing. Like they're not like huge underdog. I don't even know. I, I think that, I don't know what the spread is against the, the Raiders. The Raiders but by two and, and a half points. Yeah. yeah. So it, it should be a pretty back and forth contest. So I think that Gibson, even if, you know, he doesn't see this massive role in the receiving game like he saw last week, I mean, he'll still get it done on the ground. So yeah, I think fire him up. And now you have another element, another path where he has an even higher ceiling. So I think it's worth chasing him as like Dwayne said, like a top six running back. Go get them, people. I think at the worst, you know, RB7, RB8. Either way, fancy lineups of Yeah, like I have him over Mixon, over Mitchell, over Connor. I wouldn't argue with anybody that put any of those three backs over him. I've got him over Najee Harris, too. So, I mean, you could put him below. He belongs with that group, though. He's for sure a top 10 back. You can argue top five. Yeah, I agree. David Johnson listed as questionable with an illness and a thigh issue. We saw him split stuff with Rex Burkhead last week. I wouldn't assume that Burkhead's going to take on this monster role because we haven't been able to assume anything in this Houston backfield all season. I still think Royce Freeman's going to carve out a role sooner rather than later. As always, just try to avoid these Texans running backs if you can. I get it. We have some situations where we need the, you know, need your touches, 14-team league, you got some buys, whatever the hell the reason is. But just realize our upside, even when the game script and the touches have worked out for these backs, they still haven't given us anything because the O-line isn't helping them and there's no scoring opportunities to go around. Uh, helping matters for Miles Gaskin. And he was set up fine either way, but Philip Lindsay is listed as doubtful with an ankle injury after the midweek downgrade. We talked about it, though, on our game preview podcast, how 10 of Lindsay's 12 carries had come in the second half anyway of that blowout. So Miles Gaskin, legit top 15, top 16 back.
This week, we got Alex Collins uh, a little banged up with the abdomen injury with Rashad Penny and Travis Homer coming back to full practices after missing last week. Of course, the Seahawks, you know, in win now mode after signing Adrian Peterson. So what are you going to do at running back? Stay the hell away from it, if at all possible. Alex Collins is not a recommended start, and I cannot stress that enough. I mean, he's been the starter in Seattle and just can't even do anything. And now they got the guys coming back seemingly there to take his job. Final few notes, Jermichael Hasty is limited with an ankle. Maybe he comes back in and takes some pass down work. We're still feeling good about Elijah Mitchell, though. Chris Evans is doubtful for the Bengals with an ankle injury, meaning Samaj and P. Ryan should be the primary backup. And Brandon Bolden is limited with a knee. I think this has been something he's been doing with week in and week out, though. Correct, Andrew? Yeah, this is classic Bill Belichick. Like, this guy's on the injury report every single week, so it, it, it doesn't matter. So he's going to play. The whole so. roster is questionable. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Always much appreciated. All right, let's move on to some wide receiver wait, stuff. Did we hit Melvin Gordon and I was just asleep and that we could have Javante I was gonna Gordon? I was gonna say oh, something about bad. that too. Yeah, I thought that we I thought this was like the dramatic closing <laughs> section that Ian was saving. I thought he Javante skipped it and he was gonna do like a drum Williams. roll or something. And I thought I'd actually screwed it up by saying Javante in, instead in of my like eighteen bullets in my eighteen bullets of running backs uh to touch on. I did skip Melvin Gordon. That's why I got you guys here to make sure that we supply everything. So yes, Melvin Gordon listed as doubtful with the shoulder and seemingly more severe hip issues. Vic Fangio said he was 50-50, you know, earlier in the week, but we've seen doubtful statuses. That means about 95% of the time you will be missing the game which should open up Javante Williams to be the RB1 we've all been begging him to be. Dwayne, we still have some people, namely PFF's own Nathan Yonke, trying to put some evil out there into the world, wondering, wondering. I choose violence. Even Evan Silva got him, man. Said Nate chose violence today. Wondering. Feeling it. If Mike Boone could still make this a two-back committee. (laughs) What say you, Dwayne? Where are we ranking Javante? He should No, I've waited all this time. Damn you to hell, Mike Boone. We're not doing it. And, and even if you take that role, I don't care. I'm putting Javante in my top 10 this week. I, you know, it's my one chance. It's our one chance, Andrew. What are you doing? You got to take, you have to seize the day. That's what I was always told. Ian. Seize the day. Yeah, no, I think it makes a ton of sense here. It's like the only thing that could be more tilting than um, us losing out Antonio Gibson is on Sunday Night Football when we're all tilting our face off when Mike Boone is seeing like 10 carries. And we're like, what's going on? Like, we just had this happen twice in a row in back-to-back games. Like, oh, Fantasy Twitter might burn down. Like, there, there's a serious issue. So that could definitely be in play. But uh, yeah, I think right now, I think it's worth it to to be aggressive on him and make sure that you're, jam- you're finding a way to jam into your lineups. I mean, the guy's been a stud all seen the broken tackle metrics basically number one in pffs database this year he's just been he's been excellent he's been also super involved in in the receiving game he's running more routes so if they fall behind i think that he's going to be in the game so if they're trailing i think he's going to be one catching passes whether mike boone's involved or not i think he's going to be the guy that's going to be catching the dump off so i think that javante williams yeah i have him right now at rb 11 so i I guess i'm not as aggressive as Dwayne, but i'm close (laughs) It's one of those. Hey, you got him in your top twelve. You get to call him an RB one. <laughs> you know, Ian, like, where do you have him? Where's he going, Ian? Look, I, I like RB eleven. I think that's fair. I'm not putting him ahead of my guy CPAT, but I think RB eleven. Oh man, fair. I was starting over CPAT, but I, it's that's, I'm that's starting over CPAT too. That's where I would have it though. I think that's the line. That's the line. 
CPAP line. <laughs> the CPAP. David Montgomery started off so strong. He just keeps moving down my list this week. He gets the volume, but I worry about everything else. <laughs> that's I, I'm putting in my head of Montgomery. So yeah, that's that's where we are. The CPAP uh, D mount. Um, just real quick, it is an eight point eight out of ten on our running back strength of schedule, which is you know elite. So it's it's a it's a nice spot. Twenty three point three points per game given up to backs by Kansas City, which is about average. That's a PPR format. So. Um, but I think Williams will be even with I think Boone will see some work. I don't think he'll. I, I think Boone will see 20, 25 percent probably of the work because we have seen Denver want to keep another back involved. I think you're talking 65 to 75 percent for Javante, which will be plenty, in my opinion. Andrew, what were you saying? Um, we just got news that Jamichael Hasty is going to play. I don't know if that alters how you feel about Elijah Mitch. I know we had like he's had a couple of resurgences in the receiving game. We that wasn't really there with Hasty. Well Debo was playing his role these last few weeks. That's who was really that's really the Hasty role. It's that jet role. And so yeah, I think you'll just see Hasty take some of the carries Debo was getting, but I don't think he'll get the same treatment as Debo. Yeah, like Dwayne Mitchell, he hasn't really been getting hundred percent of like the two minute stuff. Yeah, he doesn't get anyway, the passing down work. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter, though, because the 49ers are committed to running, whether they're losing by 70 or whether they're leading by 70. <laughs> they will still run the football, So, and they will throw the ball. We saw what happened in, you know, a few weeks ago. I can't remember the opponent, but they fell behind early. You might remember, Andrew. But Elijah Mitchell, we saw him get all these targets and all these routes, and the first thing I did was go look like, okay, was he out there on third downs? Was he out there long down distance? All this different stuff, and he wasn't. They just threw him the ball more. Um, on first and second down, and they were managing their downs in a way where even though they were losing somehow, they weren't in all these long down distance situations. So um, it's kind of like what Andrew was talking about, you know, a minute ago, even with Antonio Gibson being more involved in the passing game, you know, over the last several weeks, despite the fact that he's not getting the long down distance and the third down work, it's kind of the same thing um, for Mitchell. I just think that one thing with Mitchell, I don't think he's going to get an every down roll, but it, he doesn't necessarily need it. And if he did, he probably like the wheels would just fall off because the 49ers <laughs> run so much. So you got to give these guys a breather somewhere. So I would say Hasty will pick up that Debo Samuel roll. Final note, and you know, we're recording this 4.40 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. So some of the West Coast stuff still trickles in as we're recording. But Alex Collins, Rashad Petty, and Travis Homer are all listed as questionable. And my point remains the same. Stay the hell away from the Seattle backfield, if at all possible. Moving on to some wide receiver goodness. Giants continue to be a walking graveyard. Sterling Shepard with the quad. Kadarius Tony with the oblique and quad. Both doubtful. John Ross with the illness is questionable. Andrew, you know, you were getting close to standing Kenny Galladay earlier. Maybe that's a little bit of a strong word. But where do you kind of have him ranked? He's right around my uh, wide receiver three borderline. You know, I think him versus guys like Rashad Bateman, Boyd, Beasley, Jefferson. That's kind of like the group I'm looking at. And at the end of the day, I probably just like to avoid him in this Giants passing game, if at all possible. Okay, so a question I keep getting, and I think it was like the hardest start, start, hardest start sick question I got this week was... Colton Sutton and versus Galladay. I know. Colton Sutton versus Galladay and and T Y Hilton. Like those three guys combined, I'm like, like Sutton doesn't get targeted. Uh, Hilton's playing the Texans, so like, <laughs> like we you we have no like comment, this. That's what you say. Almost. <laughs> so it's, it's, so like, it's the same tier. It's the yeah. same tier. I'm just like, you know. Uh, so I, I guess I, I, of those three guys, I have Galladay ranked the highest because I do think that Mike London is actually look. This is the guy that. No one wanted to play when David Blau was under center and okay. And he, he delivered on Thanksgiving. So Daniel Jones and Kennedy Galladay were not working. So I'm willing to give Galladay, throw him another bone. There's no other receivers to throw the ball to. 
it's man coverage. So if look, if if he, if Mike Lennon is just going to drop back and just chuck it, Galladay's got a shot to come down with a 50-50 ball. He has a bunch of end zone targets too. He's overdue for a touchdown. So let's go with Kenny Galladay. Gross, absolutely gross. A less gross. He did not situation. seem very convicted about that. I, just I mean, he's wide receiver. He's wide receiver thirty-seven. So like that. That's what I mean. <laughs> I, I kind of hung Andrew out to dry with the way I. Uh, you did. I, I enjoyed I doing that. It was, I thought you were borderline time. mean on that. <laughs> borderline mean, not borderline wide receiver. I'm gonna, we're gonna start just using like everything conversations. That was a pretty uh, upside argument I had earlier with the lady. You know, not going too well. Debo Samuel was out for at least this week with a groin injury elevating Juwan Jennings into the starting offense but as we all know should just mean more condensed targets for George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk who since he's been released from the Kyle Shanahan doghouse has gotten back to becoming sort of the upside wide receiver two wide receiver three that we all drafted him to be back in August. Dwayne right now I have Ayuk as my wide receiver 16 on the week. Am I high? Or is that perfect? No, he, I mean I've got him. I had him at sixteen, and I've got him at eighteen um, right now. But he'll probably end up moving back up. Like I think he probably belongs above DK Metcalf at this point. Ooh. You're gonna fade Metcalf the squeaky just, the squeaky wheel narrative. Wow, not the squeaky wheel. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's another thing you would call DK Metcalf, but we can't talk about it on air. Um, anyway, so yeah, no, I think you're good. On I, I mean, we're gonna have a situation now where. Um, you know, he hasn't been targeted very much against zone at all. That's all been Debo Samuel. But I think you'll see Ayuk's role change a little bit. I went back and I was just looking at the games last year where when we didn't have Debo, but we did have Ayuk. And in those games, you did see a difference in ADOT and the way that they used Ayuk. So I think that, you know, there's going to be an opportunity to get him more involved in the screen game and do some of the other things. And then he'll still work some of his downfield magic. Um, he'll still be a problem for opposing defenses if, for the opposing defense if they want to use man coverage. So I like that range anywhere between like 15, 18, 14, somewhere in there. Andrew, you know, I, we always do our DFS show on Thursday afternoon. And then I had another two DFS shows I did today. So I have, uh, you know, talked my heart out about these prices. But one of the things you brought up kind of at the end of our show that, again, after going through with a couple other people and looking at the slate again and again and again that I think makes a lot of sense – George Kittle, for someone that's priced under 6K, seeing more targets without Debo and just being an all-around beast to begin with, more and more, man, especially in tournaments, because I know we can't get off Foster Moreau at 2,700, but especially in tournaments, man, I want all the Kittle this week. I'm not saying Brandon Ayu can't do his thing, but we might be, you know, overestimating, like, how much of that Debo work to go to Ayuk versus George Kittle. Kittle is the play, in my opinion, too. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 Dwayne. I, I like the emphatic interruption. George Kittle <laughs> is the freaking play, man. And like the thing that people are talking about, it's like, oh, like George Kittle, he like, he blocks a lot. But you know, when I'm looking at how often he runs a route on a per drop back basis, like he was top eight last week. So I, I don't, I'm kind of like fading that narrative of, oh, well, he's just kind of out there blocking. It's like, no, like he's running just as many routes as a lot of the elite tight ends are. Just the 49ers offense as a whole just doesn't necessarily throw the ball as much as some of those other offenses. So yeah, I mean, Kittle's always been a guy that's gotten there off efficiency. And now for a chance where we have a clear path for him to see an uptick in volume, that doesn't necessarily require the 49ers to drop back and throw like 20 more times per game. I think it's a pretty clear leverage play, especially because everyone's going to want to pay down at tight end this week. Everyone and their mother-in-law is going to pay down for tight end. So whether you just play Kittle as your tight end or you play both tight ends, I think those are both viable strategies this week. 
You say everyone and their mother-in-law are going to be playing low-priced tight ends? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. 77% maybe. of the time, the Seahawks use zone. Kittle is the second most targeted player on the Niners against zone, 25%. Debo was at 30%. Like I said, I think Ayuk will get more involved in different kind of routes, but it, I think that Kittle will lead the team. Let's go. George Kittle, you know, look, look at us guys touting just a consensus. Is he going to get the helicopter? Is this, is this uh, I know. Please no. I want. I want to curse the guy. I'm trying to win him into something good, man. <laughs> trying to Come win on, money Andrew. with this guy. Trying to win money. Why would I do that? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, kind of already talked about him with Kyler. He's officially a game time call. We're expecting him to be back to his normal role if he's healthy. Again, just thank the football gods that this Cardinals game is at one o'clock for once. More up in the air is Odell Beckham, who is listed as questionable with that hip injury. Sean McVay said he would be surprised. Was the quote if OBJ doesn't play? Rap sheet did say the availability is up in the air, although the hip is quote unquote not considered a major issue. Dwayne, I got Beckham, you know, kind of before doing my late Friday adjustment, sitting as my wide receiver 28, kind of firmly in that upside wide receiver three mode with you know, sort of this uncertainty with his health kind of going on. I see myself dropping him a little bit into the early 30 range, but I'm not like really too afraid to play him because of this issue. We saw him really playing through it last week. And, you know, it didn't look great on the sideline, but he looked pretty good running past the defense on his way to the end zone. Where do you stand on Beckham this week at less than 100%? Yeah, I'm similar. I'm probably going to move him down just a little bit. Um, I've got him right now ahead of one spot ahead of Mooney, Two spots ahead of Devonta, three spots ahead of Michael Pittman. He's gonna. I'm gonna move him below all three of those, um, and then I'll just put him right next to Van Jefferson. So people will feel there like I'm just not really helping them. They're like, okay, great, Wayne. Thanks for letting me know which Rams receiver you know to play. Um, but it could honestly, I may drop him one spot below Van, just knowing that he is dealing with health. We know they're both out there just as much, um, and we have seen Van Jefferson get loose down the field, you know, and handle those bombs from Stafford. So I probably actually will have Jefferson just ahead of Beckham, and that's where I'll have him. But he'll still be ahead of – he'll be just ahead of, like, Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd, Kopi Myers, other players we know that can play, right? But it's a matter of can they get targets because the way their offenses oper- operate or how many miles they have to feed. The only one that kind of sticks out to me there, Dwayne, um, you know, wondering why you don't have him higher is Mooney. We do have Robinson. I knew you were going to say that. I think you have him at, like, three or something. I was looking Not at our three. Ranks, so. I got him at 17, but I think that's a little more reasonable. So this is why I like having, you know, our little three-man panel here allows us for some tiebreakers. Andrew, where do you stand on Mooney? Are you with me? And, you know, I'll be nice to you as I lobby these questions, or are you, uh, you know, going to – He won't be borderline mean anymore. No, it's, I, I'm definitely lower on Mooney. I, I really don't have any oh. reason why to. I don't know. I, 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 like, I look at his thing, I'm like, oh, I need to move him up. But then, like, I see other guys, I'm like, okay, like, maybe I can move. I mean, I have him at 27, and it's probably too low. Oh, 27. Well – well, where, is, where does where does Yankee where does the award winner have him? That's what we should ask. That's true. I'm, I'm gonna up. look. I'm gonna go look while Ian's teeing up whatever's next. Well, Alan Robinson is doubtful with the hamstring. Marquise Goodwin banged up with the foot and ribs as well, so that would open up all the targets for Mooney, who is our consensus wide receiver 22 i am the highest in the company on him nathan is the second highest at nathan's 22 though okay pretty much we just we just program our consensus just to match nathan's ranking (laughs) that's really what the consensus is it just takes (laughs) it just takes nate's ranking let's take the best ranker we have let's just use his (laughs) 
Everything else, just a bunch of flair. All right. Brandon Cooks, pretty much like the entire Texans team has an illness going around. So we got Cooks, Chris Conley, uh, both with the illness, you know, same situation. They're looking as questionable. And Danny Amendola's got a knee that could keep him out. Andrew, is that Nico Collins music potentially? Is that our cost saver, a wide receiver or, or, or not? Because, you know, it's the Texans. No, I don't gone, actually mind gone. the play. Uh, at $3,100, you look at, okay, if you want to play Jonathan Taylor, you want a cheap bring back, like, so you can fit up some of these other running back plays, like Nico Collins makes a ton of sense. And something that I've like kind of picked up learning when I played the Thanksgiving slate is it's so important to, if you're going to take a flyer on, you know, one of these super cheap wide receivers, you want to do it in the early games. So that way, you know, going into late games, all right, I already played this, you know, 2%, less than 2% own Nico Collins. He scored 25 fantasy points because he caught two touchdowns sick i can just play chalk the rest of the way like i don't need to get weird i already am over the field because i played this one player vice versa if he doesn't do anything okay then you can make more adjustments in the late window so nico collins like look we know that the colts are going to score points and he is a really cheap way to get access to this game as they bring back option you mentioned the other injuries at the receiver position if cooks is sick you have danny mandola banged up so nico collins like the guy sees end zone targets like he should have had like two touchdowns the last two weeks like they're throwing the ball to him in the end zone. He can come down and make plays. And who gives up the most receiving touchdowns to wide receivers this year? The Indianapolis Colts. Nico Ooh. Collins hitting pay dirt this week. Make sure you keep an eye on those injuries. Go get some nice stuff. I mean, I definitely like him better than Josh Reynolds or Juwan Jennings uh, down there. So I can get behind Nico salary saver. Let's go. Uh, just another quick six to run through before we move on to tight end. Antonio Brown, as you all heard, has been suspended three games for the fake vaccination card. He was planning on missing two games with the ankle injury. That made the whole, <laughs> you know, like when everyone's like, oh, great job, NFL and Tampa Bay, like really coming down hard on this guy. It's like, well, it's basically a one game. Game suspension i don't i don't know about that but whatever either way he's out the next three weeks obviously goblin evans gronk big boost for them and really i don't think we can use any of these other guys scotty miller's back in the picture tyler johnson's still there and brashad perryman's been activated back to the active roster as well so expect more of a rotation with those complementary pieces and just more of a focus on getting the top guys involved we got deshaun J- jackson seemingly listed as questionable but it's because of a calf injury that has been deemed not too serious at a minimum though this does kind of scare me off you know trusting him as that best case you know wide receiver four wide receiver three we we're hoping for because even in that cowboys game he wasn't playing a full-time role like they still want zay jones out there for a good chunk i would think after he suffered this calf injury on thursday they're not going to be increasing the snaps too much for this week i mean that's djax you know he doesn't do much and he gets off his couch once a year or two and just blows up against the cowboys in a primetime game also got chase claypool he's good to go with the toe injury he continues to gut through curtis samuel listed as questionable with the groin after being limited all week but he is expected to play through it just don't expect him to have enough snaps enough targets to really be a usable fancy asset yet uh ravens got Devin duvernay and boykin banged up with dying finger injuries we really don't care i'm not sure why i wrote them down on here and really that most help bateman. that'll help bateman a little bit if duvernay okay. misses yeah, um, because he and Sammy have been rotating, but Duvernay's been part of the rotation getting slot work, so we could see that open up a little bit more for Bateman. Let me see if we got their fun. That's why you wrote it down, Ian, because you're there a good we go. guy. I appreciate you helping me out. Borderline. Um, borderline, good guy. Yes, I love this. All right, well, du- Duvernay is actually uh, practicing full, so he doesn't okay, even have well, a resignation. So screw me and everything I stand for. Um, hey, I do but, like Claypool, just real quick, this week. Yeah. like It's a solid matchup with the Ravens. You're going to get plenty of man coverage. 
uh, whenever they play man, 30% targets per route run to freaking Mr. Chase Claypool. Deontay is always still king. You know, you can't take the king status away from a king, but you get the you get the shots down the field, you come up with a big play. I like Claypool this weekend. And then you can then you can turn around and bring it back with Marquise Brown, who gets 26% target rate against his own. Guess who plays zone all the damn time? Pittsburgh Steelers. Boom. Sorry. I don't like it. I love it. Great call, Dwayne. Finally, most importantly, Auden Tate not looking good to play with the cap injury. Bengals only two and two without Auden on the field this year. Get better, Auden Tate. The best number four wide receiver in the NFL because Tim Patrick's number three, so I don't want to hear it, Broncos fans. That's my guy, Auden Tate, now. Moving on to more important things, maybe, at tight end. Kyle Rudolph, questionable with the ankle injury. Evan Ingram couldn't do it anyway last week. Please, again, just avoid this Giants pass. We, we went through all this stuff last week, and we were like, if Evan Ingram can't do it this week, he's never going to do it. He didn't do it. So uh, here we are, week 13, and Ingram is dead to us from a fantasy perspective. But a man who is not dead to us is Logan Thomas, who – you know, he's listed as limited this week. I, I think that's just because they're still managing him coming off the IR from the hamstring injury. It wasn't like he was full last week. We didn't get his practice uh, participation last week because he was still on the IR. He should have had a touchdown. I still don't know how it wasn't scored a touchdown. Seems like he should be playing between 80 and 100% snaps. But, Dwayne, I did see that Ricky Seals-Jones was limited all week with this hip issue. If we get RSJ and Logan Thomas back, do you think it's Logan Thomas full-time, or is this enough of a concern that maybe we should get off him for a week? I think it's enough of a concern that I just, you know, anytime you got two players that are not fully healthy and you get a third tight end, we know that they could use a little bit too in Bates. Um, I think it could be more of a rotation, and I'd rather see, you know, one week you know, if you're in a really deep format and let's say you've been holding Thomas and you just don't like who your other option is and, you know, it's kind of more of a coin flip thing for you, then fine, you can go with Thomas. But overall in the ranks, you know, I'm going to drop Logan Thomas down a little bit. I think that's more than warranted. Uh, really two of the major tight end storylines this week was Pat Fryermuth in the concussion protocol. He practiced in full all week and is good to go. No designation. And Darren Waller out with this knee and back injury, leading the way to everyone's streamer, Foster Moreau, dominating the headlines. Andrew, Fryermuth versus Moreau, who you got and why? Let me see. I have Fryermuth ranked at seven and Foster Moreau ranked at nine. So, I'm going to give the edge to Fryermuth. Just I, the dude has been the best rookie tight end this year. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I don't think they really need more words than that. And his matchup is excellent. You know, the Ravens are one of the worst teams against tight ends this season, whereas the matchup isn't really necessarily there for Moreau. And look, I mean, I, I think that Pat Fryermuth is better like right now at this point. So I'm going to go with him. I too have Fryermuth ahead of Moreau, tight end nine and tight end twelve respectively. Dwayne three for three, Fryermuth over Moreau. I have Firemuth at 10, Thank God. and I have Foster Moreau <laughs> at 13. It would have been so awkward if not. Man, avo avoided a real bomb there. Cole Komet with the groin. We'll see. I think he is going to be suiting up. If not, Jimmy Graham and his no-trade clause could see a little bit more of a role. And Jack Doyle listed as questionable with that knee. I think they're just managing him. Either way, he practiced in full on Friday. Fully expect him to continue splitting reps with Mo Ali Cox and Kylan Grayson. Just don't play Colts tight ends and accept that they're going to have a big game every now and again. Real quick, some other defensive injuries and things of that nature. TJ Watt seems to be out with COVID. Pittsburgh missing a lot 
lot of starters on defense once again. Patrick Peterson is questionable on the COVID list, even if he plays. I don't care. Minnesota is the only team in the league without a single cornerback graded inside of PFF's top 80 coverage corners. Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith questionable with an ankle injury. Giants quarterback Adoree Jackson out with the quad. Bucks getting some reinforcements in the form of Carlton Davis, who was activated from IR. He's missed a ton of time with the quad issue. And finally, Cardinals cornerback Byron Murphy questionable with a foot injury. Obviously could be good news for Darnell Mooney if he ends up missing time. Dwayne, anything here that sticks out to you? No, not really. I mean, Komet has been, you know, pretty steadily involved in these games whenever he's been out there. He's only come through in the box score one time. But so I think it's, you know, moving to limited. We'll see if he plays. But it's just enough that it's like, eh, I'm going to try to steer away from him if I can. Doyle, even though he's back, it doesn't matter. Like he played 50% of the route. He was out the 50% of the route. It's still a rotation. It was just kind of a luck thing. Everything, you know, just the way the game worked out. A lot of the targets went to Jack Doyle. Um, but I think he could easily donut you this weekend or just give you a two for 10 type thing. Andrew, final thoughts on that list? Um, I also noticed that Marlon Humphrey is also questionable for the Ravens. I just think that this Ravens-Steelers game is going to like be – there's got a lot of points in this game. I think that that both defenses have just really been really underwhelming this year. Talked about Watt being on the COVID list. Uh, their Ravens are banged up in their secondary. Their, their secondary also gives up so many big plays. And, you know, we talked about Chase Claypool. We talked about Deontay Johnson, like Pat Fryermuth, like – I get Big Ben's not like good and like that's going to keep people from wanting to attack this game in DFS, but just Lamar Jackson and there, there are going to be points scored in this Ravens Steelers game. This is not going to be a classic AFC North slugfest where it's two defenses. It's like, no, like offenses are showing up in this game. I think there's going to be a lot of points. Yeah, I like that call. More and more warming to Claypool, particularly in those DFS tourneys. Final note that just came through. Odell Beckham at the podium said he expects to play Sunday, quote-unquote, been through worse. So look for OBJ to get out there as an upside wide receiver three. Keep on balling, OBJ. I think that is about going to wrap it up, guys. Quickly looking through some of the headlines, but I think – we are good. Daryl Henderson was limited on Friday, so that's pretty important for him to at least get on the practice field for a day. Yeah, I think that's going to about wrap about it up. What about Boston? Uh, did we we talked about Boston Scott? Well, we talked about Miles Sanders. We didn't really talk about Scott like himself. I was please don't like please don't play Scott, people. Right? Yeah. Where do you guys have him though? If look like if if you have hurts out. And if you have Scott active with Miles Sanders, I mean, it's it's going to be like a 60-40 thing against the Jets. I think like, to me, that, to me, that makes Scott. Scott like an upside RB3. Yeah, I don't hate Scott either, really. I mean, like, he gets a lot of work in the red zone. He gets a lot – he gets more passing work than Miles Sanders does. Like, they just, like, don't throw the ball to Miles Sanders, like, ever. Like, so, I, they I mean – They borderline don't like Miles Sanders. <laughs> I could go I could go RB31 anything past that I think I'm going to get upset. <laughs> also fair. also Ian so if, if there's no Jalen Hurts is is Minshew you just jam him in and in cash in DFS cash lineups Gardner Minshew? I, no, I don't think so man. What are we doing that for? He's the Jets. I know but it's Gardner Minshew. I I, I know Gardner's had Gardner some, Minshew yes, our favorite some, our favorite quarterback. Gardner no, we can save enough money elsewhere. Let's get up to Brady, if anything, man. I'm off uh, I'm off the Tua train. Let's get up to Brady in cash. I like that. Yeah. So, I, 
you know, if we, if we couldn't save the money with Moreau, if we couldn't do it uh, with some of these running backs, out, like having Gibson, having Jamal, I just think there's enough salary saving on the table not to worry about it with Gardner. Like, like, all right, where will we rank Gardner this week? You know, looking at it right now, I'm thinking probably behind like Tua, Tyrod, and Garoppolo around QB 20. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of my right initial thought. Andrew's yeah. going to be like QB 6. <laughs> QB6. No, I mean, I mean, the Jets, though, dude, the Jets are so bad. And uh, what is his? I need to check his price. But we just know the Eagles could be willing to run the whole time, you know, because the the Jets are terrible versus the run. I'd be, I give Goddard and Devontae, I think, a little bump, hoping that they might throw the ball more. Yeah, I mean, she's only 4K, so it's just. He doesn't. He doesn't have to do much. Like, <laughs> just saying, he's 4K. All right. Before we uh, go any further down a Gardner Minshew hype wormhole, we get out of here. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And everyone, I just want to invite you to maybe save some money as I pull up our ad reads. I probably should have had open earlier because we are offering a great deal. I hope we still are. Load you stupid thing, because everyone. You can get 40% off any PFF subscription if you use code CYBER40. All of our locked article content, weekly player rankings, straight to schedule tool, betting dashboards, all that and much more. Again, support the pod and use promo code CYBER40 for 40% off any sub. And also, Fantrax, everyone, their free fantasy football league manager is the most customizable, easy to use, and feature-rich platform in the entire industry. PFF has been playing our leagues on Fantrax this season. You can set up your leagues exactly the way you want. Get rid of kickers and defenses without a problem. Complete multi-team trades or even be able to trade fab or future year picks. All of that for free for you fantasy hockey, basketball, baseball fans. Season's fast approaching already began, so be sure to create a new league or bring over those existing leagues to Fantrax. They are giving away signed jerseys to a few lucky fans, so sign up now on Fantrax.com slash PFF to be eligible. And also, you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now, use promo code PFF to bet $1 on any team to score that next week in the NFL and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score a promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Only new customers only. Minimum $5 possible. $1 wager. One per customer. Should apply to Jackson.com. Sportsbook details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. And as always, shout out to our friends over at Western and Southern. You can submit questions for Chris Collinsworth to answer on his podcast and on Western and Southern's Instagram. You know, whether it's Chris's old playing days, behind the scenes with Alan Sunday Night Football, maybe a need to know about your financial future. You can submit those questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that's westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. And that's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. For Dwayne, for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody.